0: I'm Tess Koppelman, and forty five years ago, my life started in diapers
1: Hey, how you doing, Tess?
0: I'm good. yeah, yeah.
1: It, you're not in Kansas City right now.
0: I'm not in Kansas City right now. I'm in my house that I grew up in, up in oh. Wisconsin. <laughs> which is always, uh, you know, it's always a little strange being in the place you grew up in and kind of reconnecting with, uh, old places. Some of them, Mm -hmm. like the park across the street that I spent hours and hours and hours of time, they've completely remodeled it and it's a whole new playground. So that's where I just sent the kids with my husband. Like you guys go do that. Mommy's going to be busy for an hour. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) nice. I always felt like in the past when I came home that I just sort of fell into this mommy take care of me. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> you know, at home, you know, I'm like queen of cleaning the kitchen and putting away dishes and da-da-da. And here I'm just sort of like, leave the dishes by the sink for mom to take care of. <laughs> but you know, now that my mom is here by herself, my dad is in the hospital right now, which is part of the reason we're here. Um I I've all of a sudden I've kicked into mom mode and I'm running around doing the dishes and putting dishes away and feeding the kids and doing all the stuff that my mom would normally do. Mm-hmm. But you know, she's, she's stressed out right now. So I'm yeah, trying to pitch making, in as much as I can.
1: Making that transition to caregiver. That's yeah.
0: Well, you know, the hard. sandwich generation, cause I'm yeah. already a caregiver and now I'm caregiver it, times two. <laughs>
1: exactly. Since you're at your, your,
0: the house where you grew up, tell us about your early life. little bit uh I grew up in La Crosse Wisconsin La Crosse Wisconsin if I can Mm -hmm. talk (laughs) um and it's a town of well at least when I was growing up here it's about 50,000 people um there's a larger you know regional area that La Crosse is a draw to um but really very small town America uh you know rode Mm -hmm. my bike everywhere all over this city Um, You know, and it was the uh, early 80s. So it was the go out and play and come back when the streetlights come on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So kind of that that old school, you know, 80s growing up. um, I was just telling me, I I was just telling my kids like, oh, yeah, I I used to go across the street to the park and spend hours there by myself. (laughs) And it was like, can I go by myself? And I'm like, no, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> how old are your kids now? 7 and 6.
1: Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Growing That's up. Crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> um
0: so do you know if you were in disposable or cloth diapers? I talked to my mom about this this morning. I actually yeah. I had talked to her about it in the past. Um mm-hmm. so I sort of knew the story but I wanted more details from her this morning. Um I was born a month premature, which back in mm-hmm. 1976 was a pretty big deal and it was a little, you know, dicey, but, um, turned out. Okay. I was tiny. I remember, um, there's this picture of my grandpa who had my grandpa had very big hands, but my entire body, except for my legs, my head, my body, everything was in his hands and my little legs were dangling off the end of his, oh. the palm of his hands. Oh um, so I was tiny and my mom said that the disposable diapers they had back then were huge. Um, and so she was like cutting them into halves and quarters to try to get them. So they would fit me. Wow. Um, but my mom said that, you know, back in 76, the disposable diapers were cost prohibitive for most people. Um, they were very expensive and she said they weren't very good. You know, often they mm-hmm. would just, especially on my tiny little baby, even the extra smalls apparently would just fall right off of me. And, um, so yeah, they, they did just they did, a. Cloth diapers. Wow.
1: Um,
0: but she made an interesting point. And when we were talking about it this morning, she said, you know, um, we didn't mind using cloth because that's just what everybody, most people use. And cloth cloth was what most people used because disposable were so cost prohibitive. Mm. Um, but you didn't just use the cloth diaper, right? You had the little plastic. Um, pants Bums are the
2: same thing little mm-hmm. red plastic pants that go over your cloth diapers. yes and, and they were she
0: ra- <laughs> yes and she raised the point that they would get stinky they would get real stiff and like uh, they would kind of fall apart like the elastic would fall apart and she's like yeah so we weren't putting disposable diapers in the landfill but we we're putting those plastic pants in the landfill mm-hmm. which you know you could argue probably just as bad <laughs> so yeah
1: that's yeah. really interesting to hear that it was cost prohibitive for most people back then, which I never thought of. And now I really want to do some research because I bet that's very true. And it kind of was a, you know, that was a luxury to have disposable diapers. And it's interesting. Um, We just had a comment on social media that I haven't addressed yet. Ashley, I was going to talk to you about it. I was just thinking about that. Someone, uh, a couple people actually commenting about how they would you know, suggest that our clients
0: use cloth diapers. Oh, yeah. We we used to hear that a lot too. Yeah.
1: And and as you know, Tess, um, it's, you know, that is just really not a reality for most of the families we serve because most of them are working parents who are sending their children to daycare. Mm -hmm. They have to supply disposable diapers um, to their childcare center. And on top of that, many of them don't have access to washer and dryer. You can't Mm -hmm. take... The dirty diaper on the city bus. And if you go to a laundromat, you have to run a load of bleach after that's an extra cost. So it's just, um, not the most realistic thing personally. I, you could not pay pay me. I don't think enough to use a cloth diaper. I mean, I don't, I just can't imagine the stress that the families we serve are already facing and then having to deal with cloth diapers in a time when that's not the norm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll tell you when I first had Elliot, um, I wanted to give cloth a go mm-hmm. and we didn't, I didn't want the startup, cost. the startup cost of cloth is very high now. Mm-hmm. Um, the cloth diapers have really come a long way. And so they're a lot better. That also means the startup cost is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. And um, so we decided to try a cloth diaper service which was money. It was quite a bit of money. Um, but we thought, well, it's worth a try. Let's give it a go and see how it works. Um, and I personally hated it. I hated mm-hmm. it. Um, they leaked like crazy. Um, every Here I am, this new mom. I'm You're dealing with all the stresses of being a new mom. Pressure. Yeah. yeah. And then add up on top of it. Every time I'm picking up my baby, I'm picking them up and turning them around to make sure we don't have leaks all over the place so that I can then hold him. And I'm just like, uh, it was, oh. it was just, it was too much for a new parent to also uh-huh. constantly be like, I don't want to have poop and pee all over me. It's almost so like, it yeah, anyway. it's
1: almost like it's switched. It used to be a luxury to be able to have disposable diapers. And now it's almost a luxury to be able to choose cloth diapers.
0: That's mm-hmm. exactly what I was just going to say. Yeah. Cause yeah. it is the startup cost is so high. Um, you know, the cost to maintain the uh, cloth diapers uh, is quite high. Um, yeah, it's in, some people would argue, oh, the, the startup cost is higher, but you know, once you have them and you're taking care of, well, you still have to take care of them and you still have to wash them and all the expenses that go around, go along with washing them. So, um, And, you know, and you can read studies, too, about the negligible effect of, you know, putting all the detergents and stuff in the water and the the cost Mm -hmm. of the water. So so When people are are like, oh, it's, you know, cloth is hands down better. I really, in the end, think it just comes down to personal preference and, you know. And we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. Every, uh, that is such a great point because, you know, one of the parenting groups I'm in, their motto is you are doing a great job. Right. <laughs> Whatever you're doing, you know, you're your, doing kid, great. your kid is fed, your kid is happy. You are doing a great job. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. You made it through another day. So yeah. I think
2: there's a real big opportunity for us at Happy Bottoms to get that message out because I think it's a major deterrent for some people, especially like the older generation to say, well, You know, I wouldn't want to support Happy Bottoms providing disposable diapers because people should just use cloth. But Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot that, you know, you just mentioned that people don't understand. And I didn't understand, frankly, until I got into this position. So Mm -hmm. we can definitely do a better job of getting that message out there so that people understand why we do disposable diapers and why our families typically use them. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think once I often would explain, you know, these parents want to work if they want to work they have to send their kids to daycare. If they're going to daycare you have to send disposable diapers with them. Uh so yeah. it's kind of it's a part of the cycle of poverty really. I mean if you can't send diapers with your kids to daycare, then you can't go to work and you can't go to work. Then you can't pay your bills. You can't pay your bills. So it's, mm -hmm. yeah.
1: And the fact that, you know, we're participating in a a nationwide study this year, we're kind of replicating a study that has already been done that showed families missed up to four days of work a month because they
0: didn't have diapers. I believe it. It's it's an economic
1: issue. Like,
0: you know, and in addition to the, I don't have the money to send diapers with my kids to daycare We've had families tell us before, because Happy Bottoms gave us diapers, I could afford to put gas in my car so I could go to work. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so again, this it all just plays a role yeah. in that in that puzzle.
1: It does. Well, I should say one more thing. And all all the disposable diapers we provide, some of them are more earth friendly. You know, we get donations from Hello Bello, from um, Jessica Alba. What is her company? Honest Company. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, again whatever works works.
0: <laughs> disposable diapers have come a long way. They have. Right they really have. And, and um I used Honest company with my kids mm. because I I like the idea of having um something that'll break down easier. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of maybe the older generation not my mom because I have educated her. <laughs> um but you know from the very beginning when I was talking to my mom about this she was like, "Oh, yeah, we did disposable because that's what you had to do." She's like, right. "I would never tell somebody you should do this too." You know, I mean if there's better mm-hmm. options, that's called progress. <laughs> right.
1: Exactly. So,
0: exactly. Yeah. Um,
1: and I don't know if you've heard Tess about um I think it might maybe share this with you, but there is a machine that a woman in New Zealand invented that recycles disposable diapers. Nice. I want this machine. I think that's that would be something amazing too in, in Happy Bottom's future, maybe is to have one of those machines and people can come recycle their disposable diapers. Wouldn't that um, be
0: amazing? That would be awesome. Yeah. yeah it would be Okay, so I could talk about
1: that all day, but let's get back to talking about you, Tess. Can you tell us um, about something in your life that has grown out of a disaster?
0: A disaster? Yeah. I wasn't, I, when I read this question, I wasn't sure exactly what you meant by disaster. Um, I mean, we, my family experienced a, a trauma. Um mm-hmm when my brother died, when I was 13 years old, mm. it was a big deal. I mean, I, I've, I've tried to, uh, explain to my kids, you know, cause I see pictures of uncle Jason and they mm. don't know who he is. And I uh, took them out to see his, uh, gravesite, uh, yesterday. Wow. wow. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of the things I was talking to them about is the way we honor people who we've lost is by talking about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yes. And Elliot said, like, well, it's just so sad that he died. And I'm like, of course it's sad that he died, but it's wonderful that he lived. And we honor his memory by remembering what a great guy he was. What a great uncle he would have been. I'm getting emotional because I'm oh, sitting no. in his room. I'm, I'm cry. Yes. His room. Oh.
1: You know, looking at
0: some of his like little mementos wow. around here. He was a Star Wars fan. Princess Leia, <laughs> I was going to say. I love- <laughs> Princess and Leia you know, background. It-
1: I'm sure he loved... Oh, wow. Oh Indiana goodness.
0: Jones, Star Wars, you know, uh, he was a movie buff. So we've got all kinds of movie posters and whatnot. But yeah, he, he, uh, Again, and I was how ta- old were you when that happened? I was 13. Ugh. So it, it had a big impact on me in terms of, uh, viewing life as being precious and short. And we never know when your last moment's going to be. And mm-hmm. I kind of lived my life from that point on, with this, I don't want to have regrets, and and that doesn't mean like a you know, like a, a fear of missing out kind of thing. It was just more of a I want to make sure I'm good to people while I'm here. I want to make sure that I tell my parents I love them every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the last time my parents saw my brother, their last interaction was something along the lines of, "Okay, I'll see you later. Yeah, bye." And, you know, so every single night yeah. before bed, I would tell my parents how much I love them. Uh, and I do that with my own children now. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, you never know when your last breath will, will happen. Uh, you know, my dad's in the hospital right now, uh, with cancer mm-hmm. a year ago, he had it. Oh, no big deal. It, it cleared it up. Everything was fine. And now it's back and it's very aggressive. And, you know, we don't know if this is going to be the last time we see him. So yeah. And I'm trying to, again, tell my kids like, We don't know when your last day on this earth will be, and we just have to enjoy it while we're here and do the best we can to make positive impacts where we can and how we can.
1: That's, and I can't imagine being third, you know, having a daughter, I have a daughter who's 14 and I just can't imagine your 13 year old self having to go through that or, you know, deal. that's such a trying time anyway,
0: growing up. Oh yeah. 13, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I was, um, I was dealing with bullies and, you know, I had, I had a uh, kind of buck teeth. And so, you know, I'm at school being called, you know, bunny rabbit and, you know, and it's like, uh, God, 13 was awful. <laughs> Thank yeah. God for braces.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> So then you think kind of you learned out of that. Yeah. To just not, it sounds like to just be grateful almost is what it sounds like for every gratitude. Don't take things for granted. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and obviously you've, I mean, you know, I know you personally and no hearing that story. I mean, you're, you're very, everything you do, you're very passionate about. And, um, I can, I can understand just that much more why now Mm -hmm. where that comes from. So thanks for sharing that.
2: I love that you talk to your kids about it and it's not, even though it's painful, it's not something that you, you know, try to hide or shield them from because, you know, stuff like that happens. I have a stepbrother who passed away when he was around 20 and, Mm. um, you know, the circumstances were a little bit. I don't know, not something you want to talk about openly, but you still want to remember them and honor them. And Mm -hmm. I just think about people who, you know, when something like that happens, it can put you in a negative place for a really long time, but that's not really a legacy that the person who is no longer with us would want for you. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of have to think about living your best life for them because that's what they would want. They wouldn't want you to, you know, continue to stay in that pain and that you know, lack of a full life because of losing them. That's not some, a legacy that, that they should be left with or that you would be so, left yeah. with because of their passing. So that's awesome that you talk to your kids about that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such a great point. Yeah. Is is that what your loved one would want is for you to, you know, go down the negativity spiral. Yeah. yeah.
1: Not to get too personal. If, if you don't want to answer, that's fine. But did it, I mean, I'm, t- I'm guessing it took at 13 years old, a really long time for you to wrap your head around. I mean, I can only imagine that I'd probably still be wrapping my head around it at this point in my life, but, you know, at some point in your younger years, were you able, did you go through the whole process, you know, of grief and, and were you able to kind of wrap your head around it a little bit at some point?
0: I think because I was younger, um, and because he was my brother, you know, my parents mm-hmm. definitely went down, you know, a grief spiral. They, they had a hard time, which understandably, you know, they buried right. their 19 year old son, you know, that's not mm-hmm. something you want to do as a parent. Um, And as a, since I was younger, I think I kind of went through my stages of grief a, a little faster, almost like I got to that acceptance stage, but as they say, it's not stage stages that you go through one, two, three, four, five. I mean, your entire life, you can kind of waffle back and forth between things. Um, so yeah, I mean, there are definitely Mm -hmm. times I would still go back to different stages, um, Mm -hmm. of my grief. But once I understood what the stages of grief were, I could recognize like, oh yeah, I, I kind of would waffle between them sometimes. Yeah. Right. But the acceptance, I think, because, you know, when you're young, you accept a lot of things because you don't know any better. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't I, I didn't know there was any other option but to just say, okay, this has happened and now we move forward. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, I was I sad about it. Yes, I was absolutely sad about it, but you still, I mean, lots of when you're a kid, lots of things just happen to you and you just have to accept it. And I I think that's sort of where I was at. Um yeah. interesting story. My brother died in a car accident driving home from a job. He worked at a TV station. And when I was in high school, I wanted to get, uh, an internship at that same TV station. And it was a big battle with my parents because they were like, we do not want you driving on that same road every single night (laughs) coming home from the TV station after the news. Like, no, we don't want you doing that. And I remember I had to be very forceful about it. Like I am my own person. I'm not going to drive that road. With the same eyes that my brother drove that road. I mean, my brother, mm-hmm. probably he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. He was probably messing with the radio. He was probably, you know, mm-hmm. not that concerned about it because he was just driving home from work. Whereas I'm going to drive home every single night with my eyes on the road and my hands at 10 and two, you know? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. eventually they relented and let me have the internship. And of course, Do I you
1: think that's went what... on to stay. Yeah. Do you think that's what, um, would, was your brother an influence on you getting into that career?
0: Sort of. Um, I, (laughs) I think, I don't know that I ever would have really considered TV news, um, except for, I, I wanted to be a writer. And then at some point I decided I wanted to be a newspaper writer. And the reason I eventually went towards TV news is because I did that internship and loved it. And I was like, oh, this is so much fun. This is exactly what I want to do because I'm still writing and telling people's stories, but I'm doing mm-hmm. it through a visual medium. Um, and actually, again, sort of related to my brother's death. So you can kind of get an idea of like what a big impact it was on my life. Yeah. Um, I was hired as a reporter in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I had to do a story about a 16 year old girl who died in a car crash oh. and I pulled up outside of their house and I'm just sobbing. I'm like, how am I going to knock on this family's door and ask them to talk to me about mm-hmm. their daughter? Like I was just, I was mortified and I couldn't do it. And then later I, t- I finally I did go knock on the door and I was just a wreck and I did a terrible job of trying to communicate with that family. um, And I called my mom that night and talked to her about it and she said to me the most powerful thing that has stuck with me for the rest of my career which is um you as a journalist had nothing to do with what happened you you had no impact on what happened that that had nothing to do with you your job now is to tell the story the family doesn't want their loved one being remembered as the car accident victim they want their family member remembered. They want their family member remembered as the person they were, the human being they were, what they loved, what made them happy, you know, what made them who they were. Um, It's your job to tell their story Mm -hmm. and honor their memory. And that is, I've, I carried that with me with the rest of my career because yeah, I mean, that's the worst part of a reporter's job is knocking on somebody's door and being like, Hey, talk to me about your loved one who died. I mean, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's, I don't know anybody who likes doing it. I mean, you do it because it's part (laughs) of the job, you know? And, um, but yeah, my mom's words are definitely what made Mm -hmm. that part easier for me. And I would always tell people that Mm -hmm. knock on the door. And I would say, you know, it's, it's my job to tell your loved one's story if you want to tell it. And if you don't want to tell it, I'll, I'll walk away and I'm not going to bother you again. So
2: I think you're in a very unique position with your experience to be able to understand, you know, victims of trauma's point of view. And so who better to tell their story than someone who's been through what you've been through? Mm -hmm. You know, when I hear things like that, I always just think, well, that's a God thing. That's, you know, you are the one sent to that story for a reason, because you can you know, put yourselves in their shoes and understand, you know, not look at it from a, oh, I got to get this story point of view, but, you know, you feel for the family and you understand what they're going through and you understand that you want to tell the life, not
0: the death. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's interesting, you know, our podcast is about how in the beginning we're more alike than we are different, because we probably all started in diapers of some sort, (laughs) and I think that death is something we don't think about, but, you know, it it happens to probably just about everyone, that some sort of tragic death, and that, you know, makes us more alike than we are different, Um, just trying to to remember that as we interact with people on day-to-day is really hard to do, I know, for everyone, but... Um, death,
0: uh, death is something we can all relate to. Right.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately it
0: is. Yeah.
1: So, um, we're all leaders in some way. Can you tell me how you are a leader? And if there was a defining point or person that led you to that?
0: Mm. I had, I was thinking about this question too, cause I was sort of like, well, in what ways am I a leader? When I was at Fox four news, um, I had one of my colleagues tell me that I was the best I was the best person to send the the interns out with. (laughs) She was like, she was like, you're just so patient with them and you walk them through how stuff works and you, you really help them learn and grow. And a lot of the other reporters are just like, I don't have time to mess with this, you know? And, um, so I think that was one way that I was definitely a leader. I liked teaching, um, Mm. to a certain extent. And maybe that's because my parents are both teachers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I, I value the art of being able to instruct someone on how to do something. Um, so that's one way I think I was a leader and, uh, it it definitely translates to my experience now as a parent, you know, I mean, when mm-hmm. you're, when you're in a job, you know, you have your job to do and, you know, you, you may lead other people as well, but, you know, you're so focused on that job. And as a parent, you know, I, you're not as hyper-focused on a specific job. It's more the, the bigger picture and, um, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm always kind of thinking about that bigger, bigger picture. How do I teach my kids how to be good little human beings, <laughs> how to right. be kind and caring and loving and those, those big picture concepts leading um, yeah, leading them, leading them into that. the future. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing
1: um your parents were teachers mm-hmm. so what was that like as a child going back to that first question we talked about as a child and you know growing up in that what sounds like a
0: dreamy world and so were <laughs> they um what did they teach? My dad was a university professor at University of Wisconsin-La Crosse, and he taught education. So Mm. when I was a kid, I told people that he teaches teachers how to teach. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And uh, my mom was also in teacher education, and she taught um, media specifically. Oh, wow. So yeah, that's kind of how I got into some Mm -hmm. media stuff. You know, I would go to her office and play with the camcorders and play with the video editing equipment and oh, cool. that's my brother did that as well of course and that's yeah. how he got into trying I'm to into make that. his own movies when he was like 16 years old so
2: do you guys have some like really awesome old family videos that are like well produced of-
0: <laughs> my my brother put together a few movies the movie he put together for a high school class um when I took that class six years later, she was still using that movie as an example oh, of like wow. a really good movie. <laughs> so that's, <awesome. laughs> that's, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Uh,
1: what do you most value?
0: Oh, bonds between people. Mm-hmm. How's that? Cause I was mm-hmm. going to say my gut knee jerk was to say family, mm-hmm. um, And maybe not everybody is lucky enough to have a strong family connection. So maybe it's not really about family. Maybe it's just about those connections with other people. Um, I love that. You know, yeah, I know. I have a a friend who has a very tenuous relationship with her own family, Um, Mm. but she and I are very close and she always talks about, you know, like sometimes you just got to make your family. (laughs) Yeah. So sometimes your family isn't blood
1: related exactly so the bonds I think that's really yeah the bonds you have with people that's amazing
0: yeah I and mean, I think they, that's
1: kind of why we're doing this podcast to you know share those stories and so that hopefully people can you know feel that bond even with somebody on a random podcast if they're out there feeling alone hearing these stories to let them know that you know we all have we all have things in common and and common shared
0: interests and exactly we we all have those parts of the human condition that, that make us who we are so mm-hmm. and and that's really not all that different is it from no. regardless of all the craziness in the world with crazy politics and religious differences or whatever it is like yeah we're all we're all mm-hmm. we're all human in the end
1: <laughs> yeah yep uh why do you think some of us end up in a pile of it and some of us get out clean
0: that's such a hard question I really thought about that Mm -hmm. when I saw that you uh you mentioned that as a possible question Oh man I thought that is so hard because I I think this is probably going to go a little deeper than you want (laughs) no I love it (laughs) the deeper the better (laughs) I think a lot of people like to blame poor people for their situation in life. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they, they made poor choices or they did something wrong. That would never happen to me. Um, but the reality is, uh, it it can happen to anybody. I I had a, my uncle, my, my mom's brother, uh, had a successful career, had a house, had a boat, he had a sailboat, he had two cars. I mean, he was by all accounts, you know, the American success story. And um, he was having some tremendous hip pain. And so he got us, he he was part of the whole Y2K thing. And so when that whole thing came to a a close and wound down, (laughs) he took a severance and Mm -hmm. decided to use that time to get his hip surgery that he had been putting off. And so he got his hip surgery, which all went terribly wrong. And he got an infection and then he got another (sighs) infection. And then, you know, and it just spiraled his entire life from house cars, boats, whatever, to, um, by the time he passed away, he had $33 in his bank account. And my mom was giving him money to pay for his Cobra. So we would have health insurance. Um, anybody's life can spiral to a point, uh, where they are desperate and I, I, you know, I really, I always cringe when I see comments or hear people talking about like, oh, poor people just need to make better choices or need to do X, Y, Z, and they could just get out of it. You know, we're all a victim of circumstances to a certain extent. I mean, think if my mom hadn't been there paying for my uncle's health insurance, Mm -hmm. where would he, he would have been in a homeless shelter probably, I mean. Yeah. We we don't, we don't know what life's going to throw not, at us.
1: Yeah. We're not all lucky to have those bonds. You were talking about mm-hmm. those bonds. And so those people that can help out at times, I mean, I was one step away from being, you know, needing a happy bottoms myself when I got divorced, had I not had family and friends support, you know, yep. it, it was, I think it can happen in a blink of an eye to any single person. And it's, Um, I think, I think you're right. It's hard for people to recognize that. Not to mention the system just, I mean, I've learned more and more being a part of Happy Bottoms and I'm still so uneducated. Another reason we're doing this podcast because I want to continue (laughs) to learn. Um, But it really is, it's the things that I see the families we serve, the hoops that they have to jump through to try and just Make a living or, you know, have basic needs and rights met is just absurd. I, I think oh, if yeah. anybody with privilege and dropped them in that situation, they would call mercy within, you know, five minutes. It's just, it's absurd.
0: Yes.
2: And <laughs> mental illness too. I mean, I, I have a family member with mental illness and we're constantly, it's a lot of work. And if you don't have people who, you know, I think about like, right when this family member who's taking the workload of the work passes away, you know, maybe that duty gets passed to me. And I don't know if I, you know, am up for that challenge because (laughs) it's it can be a day-to-day thing at times, you know. And so for people who struggle with mental illness who don't have that support system, I just think we have no support, you know, no support nets, safety nets Mm -hmm. for them. And so I think that's a huge thing that needs to be addressed and figured out that is so
0: true the mental health as a reporter i covered all the time when um state governments need to make cuts they're always cutting the places that get that are already cut the deepest and mental health was always one of the first places they would cut you know you reap what you sow if you're going to continue to try to push people under the rug, who don't have support systems and continue to do that, you know, year after year after year, I mean, you're going to end up with people who are mentally ill living on the streets and, you know, what happens then? I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's a terrible, it's the terrible way to treat people in the society who need extra help
1: mm-hmm. to just
0: act like if we treat them like they're invisible, they'll just go away.
1: Right. Exactly. And so much of it, of it is mental health. You're right. And I think, you know, they didn't ask to have mental health issues, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it Mm -hmm. could, it could be anyone and it could strike anyone at any time. So having compassion, I think, you know, Mm -hmm. hopefully is something our world can get back to a little bit more.
0: Oh yeah, we definitely need more compassion (laughs) in this (laughs) country in general. That's the whole soapbox, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) oh my gosh. Uh, Yeah, so many people, this country is based on this, like pull yourself up by your bootstraps Uh and you know, I did it and so can you and this individualistic mantra that um, yeah, leads to, for such a Christian nation to care so little about the plight of other people. It's- it's yeah perplexing to me. <laughs> it's perplexing. But
1: I always love I'm fascinated with your career uh in, in newscasting and I just remember the story you told me about what made you kind of want to get out of that business.
0: A, lo- a lot of people, I mean a lot of things happened when I was pregnant that I was yeah. starting to think about like gosh, do I really want to keep doing this? Yeah. <laughs> uh I mean one of one of them was just that um I was doing a story that I was really passionate about. I was helping people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm I'm probably going to jumble up some of the details, but like their neighbor was a big apartment complex kind of thing. And all the water was rushing into this Mm -hmm. elderly couple's backyard. And it was, it was an issue with a, a pipe burst in the apartment or something like that. And they had been trying for weeks and weeks to get this fixed and you know, I was kind of doing a, a little Fox Four problem solvers kind of thing, mm-hmm. like uh, <laughs> trying to help them out. And, you know, here, I, I felt so good about helping this couple out and trying, you know, I got the city on it. The city was going to, you know, start making calls. And um, yeah. And then at the last minute they were switching me off to go do some shooting a couple miles away. Like, yeah, uh, yeah we're going to can your story and switch you to go to some shooting. And it's just sort of like, I don't oh want to goodness. help people. I don't want to be ambulance chasing. <laughs> 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 this, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, it was a little bit of a reflection on, you know, like, what do I, what do I want to be doing when my mm-hmm. kids are in the world? And, mm-hmm. you know, do I want to be spending time with them or do I want to be chasing ambulances? <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> yeah, um, How do you think we're all the same? <laughs> oh, we kind of, we talked about, um, those human connections and those human Mm -hmm. bonds. I think that's part of what makes us human. Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter who you are, you want to have a connection with somebody. You want to have a a friendship relationship, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. I think those bonds are what make us human and Mm -hmm. you know, what make us the same. I think everybody wants that. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. And I think we all find those bonds in different ways. I didn't think for the longest time that I wanted kids. I just thought, you know, like, oh, I I can barely take care of myself. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, keeping myself going here. I don't know mm-hmm. if I want to have the full responsibility of a whole other human being <laughs> completely <laughs> in my hands. <laughs> you know, and I, I was probably, I think it was early 30s, mid-30s, something like that when early 30s. And I was like you know, what, what is the point of all this, mm-hmm. if not to pass it on to someone else, you know? Yeah. So if, for me, you know, a lot of people sort of stumble into parenthood because, you know, it's just something that happens, but for me, it was definitely a deliberate, deliberate choice. And, you know, what's the point of all this, if, right. if not to pass it on. <laughs> so.
2: Awesome. It's funny, just talking about connection. I've been on a cult documentary kick lately. Ah. <laughs> It's probably not the first time I've been on this kick but I just get enthralled by you know I'm just so interested in why people you know decide to join these cults and the common denominator is you know they want to strip all of you know consumerism and everything about their normal life away and just come together and build something build connection with each other all work towards a similar purpose and you know in the beginning it's always a good thing. Yeah. Kind of turns out bad, but people <laughs> want to connect. People want to, you know, be working towards something together and in community together. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, the the surface level of, of those situations are good. And usually the things that they're working towards are good. It's just, you know, it kind of takes a turn. But I think it just speaks to how we all want community. We all want to feel connected to one another. We all want to serves some sort of purpose higher than herself whether it be you know some sort of religion or some other purpose um so if I there's wonder, a way we can figure out how to do that without turning uh, out
0: yeah. out don't out join a cult actually yeah, please don't, don't join a cult
2: i'm lucky right. i wasn't in like ashbury in
1: the <laughs> early <'70s, laughs> <or like> 60s <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. I I wonder it would be interesting if there was some sort of study that talks, you know, how many people end up in a pile of it because they don't have those bonds and those connections and those yeah. You know, I
0: I think that would probably be high. That um, would be interesting to look into, be. yeah. Because be. like I was sharing the story about my uncle. I mean, yeah. Without the connections um he had, mm-hmm. uh, who knows what would happen to him? Right. I mean.
1: There's got to be some data out there on that. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have I'm gonna have our data guru look into it for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think it's true too. Even for you know, you think about teenage pregnancy and a lot of girls who don't have strong connections with their father. You know, and uh, I know there's three in my immediate family that they didn't have a connection with their father. They ended up having teenage pregnancy, mm. even though they saw the struggles of their older sisters. Mm -hmm. and what that life looks like you need that connection And if you don't find it in a male father then you seek it out in a male companion and I think it's there's a lot to that not having that connection
0: Mm -hmm. great point yeah
2: I just you know want to thank you personally for everything that you've helped me with kind of stepping into your old role I just feel it's a great resource for me to have to be able to reach out to you and Especially being new in this position, it's just been wonderful. So thank you for being so gracious and still passionate, and it's <laughs> been really helpful to me. So I thank you very much.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm I'm happy to help. <laughs> yeah.
1: Thanks, Tess, for for your time this morning
0: and for sharing your stories with us. We really appreciate it. Um, of course. Thanks for having me. Think, yeah, think that i'm let... and thinking that I'm interesting enough to talk to you for an hour. Of course you <laughs> are. <laughs> Thanks, Tess. Thanks, Tess. All right, have a great one.
1: Bye. So that was the first time you've met Tess Ashley. Oh, she
2: is just such a like a bright, happy, passionate person. She is. I, you know, feel like I know her. Except we've had several conversations, but it's Mm -hmm. good to see her in person and get to talk to her. Kind of.
1: Yeah, well, and you know, I knew that her brother had died. And frankly, I had forgotten all about it. Unfortunately, that's what happens right in our world, we are all self absorbed and yeah. hear things and and then time goes by, and we kind of forget about it. But um, I thought it was really interesting. What I do know about Tess, I do just think that I can see now why she's so passionate about everything. I mean, I just she's just got this passionate spirit she knows who she is and what she believes in and I have to feel that some of that came because of that tragedy for her you know that trauma and and she has turned it into such a positive which you know I don't know that I could do that same if I had the same circumstances I think that that would be really hard
2: yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, go through tragedy and they have a different perspective for a while. You know, maybe mm-hmm. they look at things in their daily life and kind of reevaluate and put things in perspective for a time. Mm-hmm. But to be able to do that for your entire life and to stay, you know, passionate because, you know, life is precious. Yeah, um, that really takes a special person so
1: and our conversation about diapers was really interesting so I'm <laughs> gonna do research into diapers did more people use cloth back then because disposable was cost prohibitive yes and, and those
2: little plastic pants yeah, me about this <laughs> yeah. Too, and I had no idea I don't, I don't remember like seeing them in pictures or right. anything but she said there were like these little elastic uh-huh mm-hmm. Sounds awful. Um, and like in the heat, it just seems like they would stick to you. And like, Oh, it sounds awful.
1: Yeah. Well, I just can't, I mean, you know, and I, and I'm, there are diaper banks who do have cloth diaper programs and I'm all for that. They, they work in some, in different areas than we work in where it actually does work for their clients. So we know at Happy Bottoms, it just does not, it's not realistic for our clients. Right. Um, but I'm all for people who want to do that I think it would just I was a total stress the first i'm I'm not a baby now I love babies but when my baby was a baby I didn't handle it very well Same. <laughs> exactly. so, so I can't imagine one, right right yes <laughs> so I can't imagine having to on top of all that stress. Having to deal with disposable, or sorry, cloth diapers. I just think that would have, I mean, I was already pushed over the edge, so throwing that on top of it. So I can't imagine also, you know, trying to figure out if I'm going to have enough money for dinner, and then on top of that, having to deal with cloth diapers. It's just... yeah, I just, I just couldn't do it. But again, we're all doing our best. We're all, I love
2: learning more about this because I didn't really, you know, even when I first got into the marketing job, I didn't know that this was a thing. A thing.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm
2: excited to learn more about it. And to, like I said, explain to people mm-hmm. why we've chosen, you know, the disposable route and all of yeah. the downs, the downside of cloth diaper, because I, I don't think people think that deeply into it I'll, honestly right.
1: yeah. they just
2: think well cloth cheaper. you buy them once you wash them then you don't have to worry about buying diapers every month but there's a lot not much that bit. simple
1: yeah it's not. It's <laughs> as not. with everything it's never that simple and uh, yeah yeah so awesome all right well uh we hope you guys enjoyed listening and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast thanks everybody bye everybody